Well, Elizabeth Woodson, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you uh, hopping on the call with us today. Uh, why don't you start by telling just our viewers and our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Thanks for the invitation, David. I am so happy to be here. I am from Dallas, Texas. I currently live in Dallas, and I am a Bible teacher and author. I most recently worked on staff at the Village Church with Matt Chandler as a director in our institute. And so I am a fan of theological education. I love writing curriculum and teaching and just helping people learn what it means to follow Jesus and really deepen their substantive uh, understanding of their faith. And like, how do we find beauty in the deep things of God? And so that's just a fun space I like to sit in and just help people walk in their relationship with the Lord. Love it. Well, my first question to you, is Matt Chandler as intense in person as he is on stage? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he is, Matt is the best. He is full of energy. We get that same energy in staff meetings as you all see on the stage. <laughs> I love it. We, we, I have a running joke. Of, you know, I, I like to do the Matt Chandler hand <laughs> motions if, if there's something I'm wrestling with. <laughs> Oh, yes. Those hands all the time. He does it for us, not just on the stage. Yeah. I love it. He's great. I love it. Well, something you forgot in your bio, you've got a new book coming out um, here mm -hmm. soon. Uh, Embrace Your Life, How to Find Joy When the Life You Have you have is not the life you hoped for. And mm -hmm. I think that tagline there is something we can all relate to. There are elements of our lives where we feel disappointed or maybe not quite where we thought we would be. For you personally, what compelled you to write this book? You know, I've worked in ministry for the past seven plus years. And so I just had people come to my office and sit in the chair you have in your office for people to come in and talk about what's going on and talking to person after person who just have issues that don't have easy answers. And you, as a, a person who wants to help people live well with the Lord, you don't want to give people sugary sweet answers. You want to give them the truth. And so part of the reason I wrote this book is to help those people, if I can invite everybody into my office to understand what it means to walk with the Lord in the valleys of our life and how we can have substantive truth that will sustain us, but also help us thrive. Like I genuinely believe that joy is possible, even in the hardest situations. And so how can we point our eyes towards scripture to see that and understand that? And I tell stories about my own life. And so I'm not a person who just talks in theory that I've had valleys. And so trying to find the Lord in those seasons and sharing the wisdom that God gave me with my readers. So when you talk about scripture, what are some specific verses, chapters, stories in the Bible that you that you point people to um, while they're in those those seasons of, of disappointment or pain or heartbreak? Yeah. One story that I love to point people to is the story of Joshua and Joshua is a, is a fun character in scripture. I always hate using the word character because they're real people <laughs> that uh, are part of the biblical story. But he just spends a really long time serving Moses, a really long time being his secondhand guy. And then at this epic moment in the story of Israel, when they're about to take a hold of the promise, like they've been waiting on this promise to be fulfilled for generations. And at this moment, Moses dies. And so you see at the beginning of Joshua, that God acknowledges the death of Moses. You read back into Deuteronomy 34, that they had time to grieve that, but he also calls them to something higher. And so it's this, this both and of acknowledging the grief and giving them space to lament and mourn the death of Moses, but then reminding Joshua of who he is and what he's called him to and telling him to be strong and courageous. And he can only do that because God goes with him. And so that to me is, is a story of so many of our lives, of the moment of grief or loss 
But then calling ourselves higher to what is always true about God and what is always true about us and being able to walk courageously because he walks with us. Yeah, talk, talk a little bit more about the idea of lament because, you know, I, I think there can often be, um, you know, a stigma, especially in church. It's like, oh, don't, don't dwell on your brokenness. Don't dwell on your pain. But just creating some awareness about that and, and, and just unpacking that, there, there is value in there. So, so what, is, what is the value of just not being okay with not being okay or being okay with not being okay? Yeah, yeah. your pain doesn't go anywhere. Um, and so that's the first thing, you know, first we were created just as holistically and just in ways that we're, scientists are still trying to unravel, um, and our humanity and all the things that make us human, but our emotions aren't a bad thing. It's what do we do with the emotions? And we live in a world that tells us don't pay attention to them, stuff them down, um, use all sorts of habits to cope with them. I think this past year or so has taught us that our coping mechanisms are terribly insufficient. I have lots of Amazon Prime packages like <laughs> anybody else um, and recognize Amazon's not going to fix my problems, even though they will give me my stuff the next day. And so how do we find a better option? And again, the people in scripture take their stuff to the Lord. Like lament isn't something that we come up with in our our generation. It's a practice that the people of God have done for generations. And it's a practice of being honest to God about our pain, but knowing that he has the power to do something with it. So I say lament is pregnant with hope because of the character of our God. But as people in, in church, it's okay to not be okay. We can't stay there, but it's a season. And so how do we help people walk through that season with their eyes on who God is? Yeah, I'm reminded of... Um... David and the Psalms, like there are, mm -hmm. there's lots of songs of praises in there, but there are also yeah. songs of lament as well. Yeah. And something I admire about him is just how honest and open yeah. and vulnerable he was with his emotions and, and bringing them to God. What, what are some tangible steps people can take, um, you know, especially in the context of community, um, mm -hmm. just having people around them to, to, to express those points of pain, to express yeah. those uh, feelings of disappointment. What, what does that look like? Yeah, you know, the psalm that I like to point people to, because I feel like it's pretty clear in the structure of how we walk through lament um, with community. And that could be, you know, just we're all gathering for prayer. That could be journaling. It can be you and the Lord. But it's that we just tell God what's going on. And like you said, David was really honest. God is not afraid of our frustration. He's not afraid of our anger. He's not afraid of deep sadness. The, the New Testament tells us that the Holy Spirit is able to take the prayers that we can't even verbally say and bring them to the Lord. And so whatever we have, we bring it to God. But then we ask him, ask him for the specific things that we need. Ask him for the ways that we need him to show up or provide or deliver. Ask him to be the God that he says he is in scripture. And then what you see David do at the end of Psalm 13, I always like to think that is a little bit of time between when he wrote the beginning of the psalm and he wrote the end of the psalm, because he makes it to the place of believing that God is faithful and believing that God is good. And those aren't things that we need to ask people to believe immediately, right then and there in the moment of sadness. I always say there's this bucket of truth about God that's sitting next to you. And when you're ready, reach your hand down into it and pull out the truths about God. Um, so you want to be sensitive to the season that people are walking through. But David makes it to the point where God is good and he is faithful and he is going to show up. And so we we tell him, we ask him, and then we we verbalize our trust for God. You had talked earlier about 
having people in your office, holding space with them, and just, just hearing them out while they were going through difficult situations. How, how can we, as, as friends, as, as family members, as um, just members of our congregation, how, how can we be empathetic to, to other people yeah. and help other people who may be struggling, choosing joy in, in certain situations? Yeah. You know, I think that we can give ourselves some grace of not needing to have the answers for the person that we're trying to minister to. A lot of times, well-meaning, we just want to be able to fix it. And people are generally walking through things that they have prayed about, they've asked their pastor about, they have Googled answers about, read articles, and they're still sitting in the situation. And so what they need from us isn't answers, they need our physical presence. Um, And so being willing to pray with people, to engage them in a conversation so they have somebody safe to process with. Um, Being honest with the person, like, hey, I don't have all the answers, but I'm here for you of whatever you need. Uh, the blessing of a meal goes a long way. Um, and so being able to encourage them to get help. Sometimes people need to talk to a counselor um, to process through some really difficult things. And so we encourage them to do that too. Um, that we as good friends point them in the right direction, but we walk slowly with them because ultimately we're trying to walk with them as they're walking with the Lord. Yeah. And it's it's definitely a process. You mentioned Amazon earlier. Unfortunately, there's no Amazon Prime to get us out of our suffering. Um, how, so how can, we, how can we be patient in the midst of difficult situations, difficult seasons? What, what do you think God might be trying to teach us during those seasons that, that might help with the patience aspect of it? Yeah. You know, I think first he's trying to teach us who he is. Right? We can read all this wonderful stuff in scripture But it's one thing to read about God being in control of a situation. And there's another thing for you to see his sovereignty show up in your life and how he just works something out. Like you've prayed for something for a really long time and you see him make good on that prayer, answer it in a way that you are hoping that he answers it. Another thing is that he just matures us. I think God teaches us what really matters in life. Uh, Sometimes in these valley seasons, he starts to strip away the things that might be in excess in our life or give us a deeper understanding of what really matters with an eternal perspective. And so bringing our eyes to, okay, where does hope really lie? When Things get taken away. I I think about Job and that book is in scripture for a reason to point us to in the moments of suffering that Job still had. He gets to the end, right? It's a little rocky in the middle of the book, but he gets to the end and recognizes the bigness of God. And I think there's something in having our eyes point towards eternity and not always towards the here and now. And so I think it teaches us to what really matters in life. It teaches us the value of just being in community with God and getting to know him. And we will spend an eternity in community with God. And so that we would learn to value that now and see that as beautiful now. And again, these are easy things to say sometimes when you're the, on the other side of a valley. But these are things I think that are actually really beautiful that God teaches us in the midst of it. But sometimes it's in the, the rear view mirror that we actually see what we've learned. And I mean, the past, the past few years have been difficult. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it was... It's been a lesson for all of us to how to find joy when the life you have is not the life that mm-hmm. you had hoped for. Um, what what have you kind of learned just uh, with the backdrop of everything that's gone on these these past couple of years, and how you can choose joy while you are at the same time looking around at a world or a, or a culture that um, is is kind of dark. Yeah. 
Um, what I've learned is that what I feed is going to grow. And so if I'm going to feed gratitude, I'm going to feed celebration. I'm going to, like spiritual disciplines are part of the story of Christians uh, for, for years past for a reason, because they are intentional, th- intentional things we do to cultivate certain things in our life. I like to tell uh, my students that discipleship is not neutral. Like you are being formed into a kind of person and all of us on our phones or in social media or just the TV shows we watch, the music we listen to or the friends we have teach us to show up in a certain way in the midst of difficult situations. And so I've learned just simple things like, what can I verbalize that I'm grateful for every day? Three specific things. I can be grateful for the sunshine and the flowers, and that's really great. But I can also be grateful for the friend that God allowed to call me when I was going through a hard situation. And that reminds me, God sees me and he cares. Um, And it also points me to what things matter. And so I always encourage people that even in this season, how am I intentionally pointing my eyes to the goodness that's in front of me? It's easy to see the bad things, but goodness is always there. And so, Lord, give me the eyes to see the blessings you are giving me, the things that maybe I need to adjust in my life, and what really matters. And what really matters is God and his people, and how can I be in both places? Love that. What do you, what do you hope people get out of this book when you know, they pick it up, read through it, and they're done with it. What, what do you hope are kind of some of the main, the main, the main takeaways? Now, the first thing I hope is that people realize that hope is always possible. Uh, sometimes the situations can just be really hard and really sad and overwhelming. And that even our feelings are real, but they're not always reliable. And so we might feel hopeless, but hope is always possible because ultimately hope is a person and that person is Jesus. And so we have the creator of the universe working actively in our lives, even if we can't see it. That's what we believe as Christians. And so for the person who just is like, man, I'm stuck. I don't know how to get out of this. I'm tired. It's just like, yo, hope is possible, friend. You may not feel it, but to know that and to walk forward in that, I think I would also hope that the person who wants to take a step. Right? They're like, okay, Elizabeth, I get it. Hope is possible. What do I do? And then as they walk through the book, like I'll go through chapters of these different spiritual disciplines that we can walk through that from the, from the story of Joshua that I see. But then I give practical steps at the end of every chapter for that person who says, how can I actually live out what you told me, whether it's by themselves or in community? And so my hope is, one, that people believe it and know that there's hope. Two, that they have practical steps. And three, that they just gain a new vision for the beauty that is Jesus. Um, Sometimes we can think like it, again, we will spend eternity with our savior and that now we would recognize the most valuable thing we have, the thing that will give us joy that's unwavering, that never changes is Christ himself. And so that they get to the end of the book and realize that, have new eyes for it and celebrate it as much as I did while writing it. You had mentioned uh, at least one of those practical steps, uh, express gratitude. Uh, without spoiling too much, could you share maybe <laughs> one or two other uh, of those practical steps that, that people can maybe start now? Yeah. Um, I go through the practice of remembrance. And so the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity and can do miracles. But sometimes it's easier for us to remember what we studied. (laughs) Um, And so that we would be in scripture. One of my mentors talks about reading scripture with a savings account mentality that we're storing up information for the day we need it. So you're not always going to have this emotional response. 
but you are storing up truth for the day in which you need to withdraw because you need to remember. So the practice of remembrance and also the practice of lament. And so we talked about that. And so that's another really powerful one that I want people to spend some time in because I don't think our culture or our church culture sits in that a lot. And so reasons why we don't sit in it, but then how can we practically live it out? Elizabeth, we appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything else that uh, you would like to leave with people before we let you go? Yeah, I would just say um, (laughs) you can find me on all the socials and just interact with me. I love Bible literacy. And so, you know, using this book either for yourself or for a friend, but then also walking on the journey of, okay, Elizabeth, how do I continue to walk with the Lord? And so if you're looking for some guidance in that, Come find me on all the socials because that's what I do. Yeah, how can they find you? Just Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, um, at Miss Jazzy Liz, M-I-S-S-J-A-Z-Z-Y-L-I-Z. Excellent. Elizabeth, thank you again for taking the time. We appreciate you lending your perspective and insight. Yeah, thanks, David. Thanks, David.